Today's guest is actor and writer Sam Richardson. You know him from Veep, Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, Detroiters, BoJack Horseman, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and countless other things. Talking with Sam really put me in a good mood, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Was Richard Splett originally a reoccurring character and then you became a regular? Uh, originally, Richard Splett was supposed to be one episode. Wow. Like, yeah. Fuck yeah. You're like showed up. People love you. You're brilliant. And they're like, oh, we need this guy. <laughs> it was really awesome. It wasn't my first job in LA, but it was like really one of the bigger first ones. It was supposed to be one episode. I went in and like Julie and I played well, so well off of each other and we had such a good time that they just kept on like bringing me back. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, actually we want to write you into episode two. So then I, I came back for episode two. The show filmed in Baltimore and they would keep on like being like, actually, we think we want to put you in episode four. And so I would fly out to Baltimore and be around and like they wouldn't find a way. And like I come back home, go back again and like hang out for episode six and they wouldn't everything. And I just kept on doing that nonstop. And then episode 10, they flew me out and they're like, uh, the reason in the episode was I was just like, and I'm here also. And I was like, hmm, very interesting. And so the next season, we would like you to be a, a regular on the show. And then and I was like, oh. in the finale... <laughs> <laughs> it's just so beautiful. It's, very, it's very, so very, delicious. Yeah. And there's a lot of pain. There's a, there's pain in the finale, which I appreciate. Like, yeah. You know, and like, it's, it's mostly painful, but then like, you know, it's so true to Richard. There is like that one <laughs> little like gem of, of hope at the end. I love it. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about this actually, because Alice and Janie did a few episodes of Veep. Yep. And I did a movie called Spy with her. Oh, you did? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but she was saying how much improv there was on Veep. And is that true? Well, it, y yes and no. Because Veep was very well scripted, like very, very specifically scripted. But then we would, well, for, first, like earlier in the process, we would read the scripts, do a table read of the scripts, and then we would re-improvise the scripts like in a rehearsal. Oh, okay. Would, would, you, would it be like a blocking rehearsal or would it be like in a room? Yeah, kind of like... like it will be like in a in a rehearsal space. Okay. And we would kind of just like set up chairs and feel through what it would be and make it more real. You know, like as Julia would, would call judging it up. God, that we must would, have been fun. Was it fun? Oh, I loved it. I, it really was because like that was the training that I had kind of. I, I came up from the second city and it was all, all the shows were, were written through improv. So we would re-improvise scenes and then kind of like find what the best like improvise a scene, find the kernel or the, the things that were best about them, and then re-improvise them, knowing kind of the, the guidelines of where we want to go. And so like doing that in the beat process, I kind of felt like I had uh, like a little bit of a, uh, like, you know, like a head start for myself. So it was really perfect for me. That must have been so rewarding. Did you find, 
and I, not that I want you to press you for favorites, but no. you know how when you really are in sync with a particular person, and the whole cast of Veep is so brilliant. Did you have somebody or maybe a handful of people that you knew you could instantly lock in with? Does that happen naturally with your scene partners? Uh, it it does. I, I mean, Tim Simons and I were pretty in sync. Yeah, you he's know, because we were. Yeah, he's he's amazing. And we would do most of our scenes together. And so we kind of had like a, a, du- a duo on screen and off screen. And Julia also, like I got to do a lot. Of, the most, majority of my scenes were with Julia and with Tim. And I felt those two, we kind of played off of Amazing. each other very well. Well, you, you were instantly so, such a delight on the show. <laughs> Anytime like you, you had a scene, oh, it was just delicious. And because... The innocence, I, I, I think that's not a great descriptive, I think, for Richard Splett because it's so uh, narrow, sort of the, it, it's too confining. Uh-huh. Don't you think? <laughs> I wouldn't want to underestimate, like, who knows? Richard's a surprise. Yeah, because <laughs> there's innocence, but then also, also, like, he seems to know a lot about almost everything. I know. You know? <laughs> and is fascinated by, like, mundane <laughs> things. I love that. Yeah. Richard was, like... I don't know, just upbeat. Yeah, and and like he's he was counter he was a counter energy to everybody else, mm-hmm. you know, where everybody else is like so self centered and just egomaniacal and just venomous. Uh-huh. He was kind of like always looking for a, a way to better the world and himself, and like uh, was always, always looking for the best in people. So like an optimistic counter. Energy, which I thought was like a fun thing to get to play, and always a smile on on Richard. <laughs> like it was, it was such a great choice. Yeah, but having played a lot of, you know, dingbats or whatever, yeah. <laughs> it can be humbling. Like it, it taps it a little bit into my stupid ego, like a very immature side of my ego sometimes. Yeah. Well, why can't I be like this smart, cynical <laughs> one? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, know, turns out I don't know. There's a need for you know dumb fake blondes too. <laughs> hey, so thanks for doing this. I have brought down a couple of show and tell items because our audiences love it when I get when I have visuals. Um, oh, exciting! Yeah, these are items that I picked up around the house for you specifically. Oh, all right. Okay, all right. The first one. Let's see if. Um, if you enjoy this, this is the first item. Let's. Can you oh, see it? Oh, I sure can. Yeah, is that autographed by Stanley? Yes, it is. Oh, that's awesome. He came that's and did so the podcast. Awesome. Oh, really? Yeah, and I thought that, that might be of interest to you specifically. Very much. But it was a surreal experience for me. But I'm not a fan girl in this way. Yeah. But so, what <laughs> could I sell this for, Sam? I, hey, uh, dear Stan- listeners, I've got a, I've got a, uh, an amazing Spider-Man comic that was signed by Stan Lee. What, what do you think? Stan Lee meets the Amazing Spider-Man, uh, featuring Stan Lee in the comic book itself. You know, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, uh, just sentimental reasons. I would sell that. I would think that's going to go for like a, a cool, a cool two hundo. Two hundred bucks. I, I would, I would say. That's I would it. Say. Well, it's Stanley meets the Amazing Spider-Man, so it's not like Shit. the Amazing Spider-Man. Sentimentally, of a million dollars, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, eBay I'll, would probably you know say. Wait, but but you're the buyer, right? I already got oh, the buyer. True. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll give that's, you a little discount, maybe. 
Okay, thank you. Like half a mil, please. Will you tell me what you collect now and what you collected when you were like, let's say 10? Oh, okay. Well, I collect now, I collect a lot of Funko Pops actually. What? The fun, you know those Funko Pops? In fact, no, I don't right know what here. that is. Ah, just bring down a, a, a bunch of right above me, and you can see my pants that way. <laughs> but these like Funko Pops, they're like these little uh, oh, yeah, uh, vinyl figures. Okay, and how many of those do you have? Let's see, counting around the room, let's see. I'd say I've got like maybe 80 of them right now. 80? 80 of those. And you keep them in the box? I keep these all in the box. I, I opened one and I regretted it because like they, they look, they, they, they package much better. Like the, the packaging is so great on them. So what, what are you going to do w- with these? Is it an investment plan? I don't know if it is. I just like pop culture so much. They're nice like little touchstone things. I can feel like, oh, I remember I like the Power Rangers. <laughs> I remember I like Pee Wee Herman. I like to think that you know, when you pass at 104, that Thank you. it's like, it's a particular kind of torture for your children. Like, yeah, yes, they, they know that you loved them. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. So they can't like just get rid of them. Right. <laughs> what did you collect when you were 10? Action figures when I was 10. So it's pretty much the same because I have a lot of action figures now. Did you keep them in the box too? I have, I have a lot of there they're in the box, but newer ones that are in the box. So when you were, but I'm saying, could you resist the temptation when you were 10 to? No. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but you know what I did? I did collect when I was a kid. What? Uh, that I did keep in the box. McDonald's toys. Really? Yeah. That's kind of cool. And like, I would keep them in the box. Oh. In the bag. Do you still have those? They were, so apparently they went to storage in my parents' place. Uh-oh. And it seems like they didn't make oh, this no. move when they moved out of their house. And I'm so upset about it. I tried to still talk to them and stuff. Oh, no. What TV shows did you like to watch growing up? Golden Girls was my go-to. I loved Golden Girls growing right? up. I loved it so much. Can you give us the jingle? Oh. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're your palate <laughs> And if you threw a party, you invited everyone you knew. You would, you would see the greatest gift would be from me. And the card attached would say, thank you for being a friend. You're good. Thank you. <laughs> what was your comfort show? Like, did you have a favorite? I had a, a couple. Because, like, the A-Team was, like, a show that I would just watch every day. It would come on 1 o'clock, Channel 20, and I would watch it every day I was home from school, that is. Who was your favorite in the A-Team? Face. Face was my favorite. Templeton Peck. Who was the bomber guy? I liked him. The uh, Oh, the, uh, the in the bomber jacket? Yeah, well, Mur- he, Murdoch. He, Wait, yeah, he he was the one who was always like setting up uh, bombs. Though he was like the explosives oh, expert. That was later on. That was uh, uh, that was Frankie Santana. He came in season five. Oh, really? I thought it was. Yeah. Maybe I liked Face. Shit. All right. Face was 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 the, was a con man, slick dude. I think I liked him. He wasn't the leader. Yeah. Who was the leader? He wasn't leader. That was Hannibal. Oh right. God, great <laughs> names. Shit. Uh, yo, and B.A. Baracus, that was Mr. T. Oh, yeah. And Howlin' Mad Murdoch <laughs> was the, the helicopter pilot who was 
they would always break out of an insane asylum to go on missions. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I did a voiceover work with Mr. T. For oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He was amazing. You know, we were doing an animated movie. So the first time I met him, he was just passing through the hallway. He had just finished his session. And he was wearing a kimono. And he was wearing gold chains. And (laughs) he grabbed my hands. And he said, you are just amazing. You are filled with love. You are filled with love. Oh, that's terrific. And we had never met. I was just in the hallway a blonde person in the hallway. I don't know it, but it was an encounter that just filled my spirit with light and joy. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Mr. T was definitely like one of those people who I was like, he's a superhero in real life. I would watch the WrestleManias that he was on. And then like, like Hulk Hogan was also like a huge person for me. So like Hulk Hogan and Mr. T, those two were like, the end all be all. So like Hulk Hogan would be on on the A team, and and Mr. T would be on on WrestleMania. He would come as like Hulk Hogan's like friend. And you just you couldn't know? handle. You're just like the crossover is blowing my mind. Oh my god! They can't do that, but they did it, and it's amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Two worlds colliding. It's just <laughs> every time. And then like it wasn't until like I was like a little bit older that I really started to watch like the Rocky movies. Yeah. Like Mr. T played Clever Lang in Rocky Three, and he's like evil incarnate. Yeah. <laughs> and like my brain was like, No. How? No, 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 no. He's good. Man is nothing but goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen any of the Rockies. Oh, I know. So fantastic. So what, what was like a comedy though that you loved? I mean, I guess A Team is a comedy, but A Team kind of a comedy. Uh like did you were you into multicam? shows i was i was i sure was there was still empty nest oh yeah yes right i can't I remember who love was in it. that like my shame on me i can't remember uh, his name what was the conceit uh, it was like a, a doctor whose kids uh, whose grown-up kids come and live with him again oh no and they have like a, they have I'm like a beach Sil- house i'm thinking silver spoons so i used to love silver spoons yeah. also that was a well, show how did that watch. one go here we are face to face a couple of silver spoons, hoping to find with two of a kind, making it go, making it go together. We're going to find our way. They don't do it anymore. They don't. And it makes me crazy. They should be TV show theme songs. They were so great. And I think there was something about the safety, which I think about too with, uh, with my show, but the safety of multicam it feels like definitely a format that should have died a long time ago <laughs> yeah but i think that there's that feeling of community or like mm-hmm. like hearing other people laugh or just that i don't know i've never done a multicam i've never even like guest starred on one and i really want to you be amazing i i think it'd be really fun it is really fun. It's very precise in a scary way, but yeah. the, having the audience is amazing. Right. Okay, so here is uh, another show and tell item. If you okay. wouldn't mind describing <gasps> oh my for God. our listeners. Jagged Little Pill, the record yep. of Jagged Little Pill, yep. Alanis Morissette, which I believe is it the 20th anniversary, or maybe it's probably now the 24th or 24th. 25th anniversary of that album. Tell us your history about with this album. I, first of all, I don't have a record player. This is an LP. And uh, <laughs> I went on Kelly Clarkson's talk show and she gave this to me. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It's one of the first CDs I ever bought. 
That's what I read about you. I listened to this thing backwards and forwards nonstop. And then like when MP3s came out, <laughs> then I like had all the MP3s and I would like just listen to like the, like she had that song, Thank You. They had that music video of her just like walking around like a city, but she was naked, but her hair was covering all of her stuff. No. And I would listen to I that. I, I remember the car. Endlessly. What was the car video? Uh, ironic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And she's like playing herself but yeah. four different versions of herself. It was, oh. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. She tapped into something very specific at that time. Yeah. And and I wonder if it... it it was very what was what year did this come out? 1995, it says. It was so specific. It was like yeah. beautiful, angst, and but mm-hmm. it felt fresh and smart. It felt public but internal. I don't yep. know. And she was beautiful but not glamorous. And like her voice is so unique. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's sort that's sort of like beautiful lilty yodel. <laughs> She came on the podcast too. Oh, really? Oh my God, she she was awesome. Oh wow, that's amazing. Were you one of the only guys that you knew that were listening to? So funny. I'd never really talked about that album with another dude, just because I nobody's ever talking about that. But I had a roommate uh, named Andy, and then we were just like, oh, top one of the top albums. And then I did this movie out in Atlanta, and I met. Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> and we became pals, and we just talked about that album <laughs> nonstop. And like that was like our our bond of friendship was talking about Jagged Little Pill, Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback of Green Bay Packers. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if it was like it tapped into the specificness of of like want the desire for your world to be bigger at that time because well, I was what was I I was. A freshman in college, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like perfectly timed for 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 me at my age, <laughs> Alanis. But then when all my guy friends, well, my two guy friends liked her, I I was jealous because yeah, I th- yeah. because I think we saw something in ourselves with that with her music. Uh-huh. I don't know if you did as a man. I don't think I did, so, but but there is so there's, there's there's universal truths of it. You know, yeah. like, I mean, you ought to know. I, I, I think you do see something because like what what a quintessential breakup song or right. like a jilted lover song. But that is I don't know if I identify directly with it, but I appreciate the fuck out of it. <laughs> um, OK, so will you tell us a little bit about your journey? So you spent half of your life in Ghana. Is that right? Well, growing up, I would I would spend I would I would like go between Detroit and Ghana uh, a lot. And you took Conan to Ghana. <laughs> yes. We How just was went. that? It was really cool. I hadn't, I hadn't been in like 14 years. So we went back for the year of return and it was 
so refreshing and like surreal and incredible. Like, first off, just the place has ch- has changed, but it hasn't. Like, of course, I mean, topography, of course, <laughs> that hasn't changed. But like now everybody has cell phones, which wasn't the case before. And like there's KFC and, and, and Burger King, which I'd be like, oh, no, that ruins it. But it doesn't. It really doesn't. Because, of course, they're all Ghanaianized. <laughs> so they like are in the markets. And so like it feels like a not like a local spot. A little, little, just a little different, at least. So that was incredible, and also just for my family. I, the last time I was there was for my cousin's wedding, but like your cousins are like your siblings. But so that was fourteen years ago, and now they have kids who are like fourteen years and younger. So there's some kids who I hadn't never met before, but I would go and I would be in the places that we grew up, and I would see those kids in the same exact places that we would be and it was like they they were us it was exactly like watching ourselves and like even the interactions between like the age like like there was three sets of of cousins who were my three sets of cousins and the dynamic was exactly the same it was crazy to see so you're saying that we're all kind of the same essentially i guess that's what i'm saying (laughs) that it's just a copy of a copy of a copy (laughs) That's amazing, though. I've never, I've never been to Africa. I would love to go. I it guess. really is remarkable. You, you, sh- you should. How are you finding this time being quarantined? How are you? Quarantine sounds so dramatic, doesn't it? <laughs> but yeah. w- what are you doing? What are your thoughts? It's certainly a crazy time, and like there, I've got, I've got two parts of me, right? I'm, the part of me is is filled with like dread. I'm like, will we lose a lot of people? And and will will that how much of a scar will that leave on our society and, and culture? I don't think anybody's life will go back to exactly how it was before, but will but will my life go back to a, a sense of like comfort and all that? Like, will I will movies still film and TV shows still? And then like the other side of it for me, I'm like I I'm in this constant meditation. Like I'm just in my house and I love my house and I'm never at home. So like it's I'm I'm forced to be at home when I, and I appreciate, I do appreciate that part. I know. Yes. Of course I feel so fortunate and, but, but I had, I sort of fluctuate between these two almost extremes of this constant feeling that it's Sunday morning. Uh-huh. And, oh, yeah. and then what'll happen is like the anxiety panic will just erupt sometimes. Yeah. So it's clearly this something that's simmering inside of me that it just comes out sometimes. Yeah. And the, I think the the big thing for all of us is sort of the uncertainty of of reentry. It's even tricky when people are talking about it now loosely. It feels like I don't know. It it's hard to conceive of tomorrow essentially. Yeah. In general, what are you watching now? In terms of my girlfriend and I watch a lot of 90 Day Fiance. See, this is this is why I'm really calling you. <laughs> but I tried watching before 90 Day Fiance, and that felt yeah. a little hard. It's it's well, we just started watching before because like, but I think you need the basis of the okay. 90 Day itself. I need to build. You know I need I mean? the building blocks. You need to build because okay. then because you're, 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 you're going off to, to pre calc yeah, without the algebra. Yep. Yep. You know? <laughs> yep. I don't watch a lot of reality TV, but this one just kind of like crept up and I was like, ah, I'm in. <laughs> it's, I think brilliant reality television is, it's a, it's phenomenal. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, 
and it should not be easily dismissed. Yeah, yeah. You know, because shit, there's some crafty work going on. Yep. And it's fascinating for on a number of levels. Mm-hmm. Are you watching anything else? Any more recommendations, oh, though? Well, well, I mean, of course, everybody watched Tiger King. Yeah. As, as I didn't so see did the I. last one, though, the the follow-up episode or whatever. Oh, the follow-up. Yeah, the interview show that Joel, yeah. Joel McHale did. Yeah, I watched it. It was, it was cool. And it was, it's, it's interesting to get to see some of the people kind of talking about their experience, especially mm-hmm. their experience of having been in a documentary. Totally. That's huge. You know? That, like, yeah. everyone watched. That's like, the biggest thing out there right now. Yeah. <laughs> so if your house was burning down, what three mm-hmm. items would you grab? This is my first uh, time asking this question. Yeah, no, that's a good that's a good question. I don't know. Uh let's find I out. would Yeah. <laughs> Depending on your answer, Sam. <laughs> oh, I'd grab my computer because it's got like a lot of family photos. Mm-hmm. And I think those photos actually exist in the cloud too now. So I'm I'm, I'm actually fine. I, I wanna know like what you'd be really crying about. I've got a, my grandfather was a chief in Ghana and I have his stool, his like throne, his like throne oh, stool. Oh, cool. So that would be one thing for sure. I would like, I, yeah. I'd have to get. Oh, that's amazing. You know? Yeah. And then uh, I was, I was always as a kid, I was like very Superman obsessed and I would always wear a uh, pair of Superman pajamas I have one of the pajama tops still. From like, like when you were eight or six or something? When I was like a, little, like a little kid. Yeah, when I was like six. So that, I know exactly where it is. I would I'd get that. How long did the obsession last? And why Superman as opposed to Spider-Man or Batman or anybody else? Uh, the obsession, I think, still continues, but it was like more subtle now. <laughs> but uh, I always loved the idea of Superman. I mean, I was always, always Batman and Superman, the you know, the two. But, like, to me, Superman was always, like, this, like, idea of hope. You know, like, right now, in this world, if Superman existed, he'd find a way to, like, punch coronavirus and, you know, it would but be ba- gone. And Batman wouldn't? Batman is, like, a revenge hero. So Batman, if somebody's, like, done something, then he goes and he catches them and, and beats them up for okay, having done something Okay, but Spider-Man has access to labs. It's true. And I feel like... Marvel comics, it's always like the network. So Spider-Man would be like, oh, let me call Reed Richards or Tony Stark and then we can like get in the lab and we can all work together, you know. I have a dumb question it's because yeah. uh, because I don't know any of these things. What did Clark Kent do at the newspaper? Was he a reporter? He was a reporter. Oh, he yeah. was a reporter. But we never mm-hmm. really saw him, at least the little, did we see him doing a lot Very- of reporting? Very little. He would always like tag along with Lois Lane. Yeah. And she would go out and like do some like really hard investigative journaling. Uh-huh. And then he'd be like, we shouldn't be doing this. And then like, <laughs> and then they would like get in trouble. And then he would sneak away and come back as Superman and then save the day and then get them both out of there. What if Clark Kent was a terrible reporter and just had Lois help him with everything? That's the thing about like Clark Kent was like a chump as part of like his secret identity. Clark Kent was like a very much a loser schlub. Yeah, but did Superman have a quick wit? Superman did. I, I, he didn't have a quick wit either. He yeah. was just like a very much a just do right. <laughs> but Spider-Man, quickest wit of them all. That's his main superpower is his wit. Oh, really? I mm-hmm. thought it was Batman. Batman, no, Batman, no. unhumorous. Oh. No, doesn't, doesn't smile. Just doesn't, rich. Just rich. There's a comic book. I'm sorry, I'm going to nerd out. <laughs> There's a comic book. Where uh, I'll try to remember the name of the series, but it's when Dick Grayson, who was Robin, 
took over as Batman and Batman's son <laughs> took over as Robin. And so they were fighting Two-Face and Two-Face is like, that's not him. That's not Batman. And he's like, how do you know? He's smiling. And so like, <laughs> and then that was like <laughs> it. And so it was like a great, for a comedy, like a great, like little little detail kind of character thing, which I loved. So it's, I know it's a pretty common question, but would you rather be invisible or fly? Fly, 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 fly. fly, fly. Yeah. I would fly. I have two wishes. That I, I wish I could fly and I wish I could play piano. Those are like the two things in my life. <laughs> Wait, oh, your third item. Oh, I lost yes. track. Yeah, what was your third oh, item? My third item. Oh, my third. I hate to like make these things all, all those Ghana things, but I also have my grandmother's cloth, her traditional uh, oh, cloth. Amazing. And in fact, that sits on top of my grandfather's stool. How beautiful. So I just like snatch those two things up and, and go. And then uh, the Superman yeah. shirt as well. All right. <laughs> I have it in my notes that you're a big Harry Potter fan. I am a big fan. And from my house, I can see Hogwarts Castle. Oh, really? Yeah. The, <laughs> on Universal Studios. <laughs> okay. I've never read. I've seen maybe one Harry Potter movie, but I've never read the books. I feel like I just, I sort of missed the whole thing. But what is it about, what is it about the peel? Because people, so many people are fanatical about Harry Potter. It touched them in a, in a way that it just, can you help me sum that up? Can you help me understand? Well, I mean, people love fantasy in general, but this is like a, such an immersive world where, you know, like it's not just like he's in this world, which he is, but like it's a world within this world and like navigating it. There's so much to learn. There's like a history there. And then like, you know, every everything has a, uh, I don't want to use the word cognate, but like every, every, you know, they're not playing soccer, they're playing Quidditch. Right. You know, and Quidditch is like a fully realized game and it's got its own things to it. And like, there's a history of Quidditch and all that. I don't know. There's, there's, there's an appeal to that world because like, people don't just want to like, aren't just like Harry Potter fans. They're a Harry Potter world fan. It feel, and it feels to me, though, like uh, unlike sort of Lord of the Rings with the, like other or Game of Thrones where there's there's complex worlds being created. It feels with mm-hmm. Harry Potter, there was a balance between a complicated world and also a protagonist that was relatable, that was that yes. you, that you felt like you had an intimate relationship with, I think, right? Would that yes, be? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And then the idea of also like having to do schoolwork, you know, right. and like he's not necessarily good at it. He's good at some things, but he's not good at other things. Right. He's got a friend who's like a super smart, but a friend who's like really struggles. Like that's just incredibly relatable. Yeah. You know? A teacher who you think hates your guts. I'm always into like the orphan. I, yes. I Gosh, I fantasized about being an orphan growing up. All I wanted to do was be an orphan. Yeah. <laughs> it's a romantic, you it's know? sad but true. <laughs> Superman was an orphan and so was Batman. They were? Batman was too? Mm-hmm. Batman's parents were killed. Oh, that's right. That's a whole reason why he became Batman. <laughs> of course. Superman's planet blew up. Adopted very young, though. Who would be your favorite female superhero? Well, I mean, like, Wonder Woman is, like, an incredible superhero. And, like, her whole story, like, borrows so much from Greek mythology. Like, you know, she's born of, of clay. Like, her, her mother, you know, molded her from clay, just like Athena. Athena was born from Zeus's uh, forehead. So, like, it's just completely independent of, of, a, of a man's genitals, you, you know? Right. And then, like, also, like, a diplomat. 
and a powerful person who like leads a nation very similar to like to black panther you know where she is a well her mother actually leads the nation but, but you know i think what was tr- tricky a little bit about wonder woman and this is me not knowing anything but i think that mm-hmm. it felt like her weaponry and skills it felt arbitrary uh-uh. it felt like why like what why an invisible plane why like why? yeah the invisible plane that thing I think that's kind of come and gone. Maybe you're right. <laughs> now she just flies. Now now she she just flies around. And she's like as strong as Superman. You know, that that also like kind of flows, but like Superman can't beat her up. She but she can like knock Superman out if she had to. Awesome. <laughs> okay, life questions. Okay. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Uh for a while it was uh well I I I liked Neapolitan ice cream sandwiches. But I hate chocolate ice cream, but I love strawberry everything. But now it's just straight up vanilla is my jam. I love a vanilla ice cream. So you, you like skipped to 83. You like skipped to age 83. <laughs> 83, right? Age 83? Oh, yeah. I got, I got there pretty quick. Do you not like anything chocolate? I, I really don't. I mean, I like, I, like, I like chocolate chocolate, like a chocolate like candy bar I enjoy. But like a chocolate cake, I don't. I don't love chocolate cake. I uh, I feel chocolate ice cream tastes like chalk. Interesting. All right. All right. Yeah, but I'll eat berry or strawberry anything, but vanilla ice cream is just the best. Because then you put like what my my jam. Speaking of jam, I put strawberry syrup and marshmallow. You need to get that jet, jet puff marshmallow like topping. Yeah. yeah. I put the three of those together, and it's the greatest thing. Do you have enough? At home now? No, we're almost out. So first of all, we're out of ice cream and we're out of all three, actually, because we hit that pretty hard right off the bat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I have like the tiniest bit of Jif peanut butter left. Oh, and really? And Jif is by far my favorite. I mean, it is. Yeah. It's like crunchy the perfect, smooth. smooth as, ah, it's like the perfect, you know, it's got all the trans fats and the sugars and the <laughs> salt, everything you'd want, everything you want in a peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> what was your favorite toy as a child? My favorite toy as a child, I had a Ghostbusters proton pack that I loved so much. Was it, was it like, like a, something you actually stra- strapped to your back? Yeah, like it was like a, it was like a, a hollow plastic thing. It was, it was from the cartoon Ghostbusters. Oh, and so it was like this backpack, and it had like this, the you know, the thing, and you 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 pull this like trigger, and it would like make a sound, and it had like a big foam tube out of it. It wasn't an actual piece of uh, uh, paranormal capturing equipment. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first boss like? My first boss was my dad. Well, yeah, like my first, like my first, like real, real job was in high school, and I started. My dad had an Outback Steakhouse. Oh right, yes, okay, <laughs> and like, and I worked there. And it was a nightmare because, <laughs> like, for like for for two reasons. First, anytime I had a day off, my dad knew I had a day off. Right. <laughs> so if somebody called off of work, oh, they'd be like, no. "Hey, guess what, buddy? <laughs> Your day off is done. Come on in." And then the other side was like, everybody knew I was the boss's son, right? So they were always trying to like. <laughs> you know, finagle whatever out of me. Right, but you probably also couldn't get, you didn't get like the 
serious gossip, I bet. Exactly. You were exactly. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. I was missing all the gossip. I was missing out on like the, the smoking weed in the back of the Yeah, fuck. Thing. One time I was smoking weed in the in like out in the back in the parking lot. And then my dad came out and was like, What do you guys do? And he saw it. I was there and he was like, Oh, <laughs> Like the disappointment. Oh no! But he wasn't. But my dad also isn't like anti. My my dad and I smoke together, you know. But I think it was it was like it was work. It was at work. That was the issue. I don't know. I like to think that maybe he was bummed that out of some degree of professionalism he couldn't join in. I think that also. I think also. What did you do there? I did like a lot of things. I started out in carry out and a host, and then I would serve and like do all, uh, all like, kind of everything but I wanted to bartend I never got to bartend and I was like that would have been a skill that I could have used other places <laughs> do you have strong feelings about blooming onions uh I enjoy them all right, uh, all right. it was never my favorite but certainly I can't discredit it it's a good snack do they come pre-cut they do so you just drop them in that fryer just hit that fryer and it comes out Woo. and it's bloomed who has influenced your career the most that's a good question. I think Julia has influenced my career in a huge, tremendous way because just learning so much from her on that set. You mean in and terms of improv or professionalism or? Professionalism, improv, like like learning how to be a lead of a show kind of things and how to be hands-on on something. That idea of like number one on the call sheet, I've never seen a better example than Julia. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes. For real, Tom Hanks. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. Because, like, growing up, I was, like, every Tom Hanks movie I watched a thousand times. And just, like, whew, the guy still is America's sweetheart, you know? Top three Tom Hanks movies for you. Forrest Gump, honestly, I loved that movie so so much. You know, another one that I watched all the time. Like, like, these are just like personal ones that I'm like, oh, big and oh, this is hard. I've, I've, put, I've hit myself into a corner because I really want to say Turner and Hooch. I really do want to say that. But then <laughs> but then I want to say Castaway. What about and, you Splash? Know, and I want to say Splash. And I want to say Dragnet. And I want to say Joe vs. the Volcano. And I want to say The Burbs, you know? <laughs> and I want to say like all these movies. Oh, just the the man the, was the funniest and the most charming dude, and, and like Road to Perdition. Like nobody ever talks about Road to Perdition. He was like a nasty dude in that, and they like that's like the only yeah. movie where he's been like a, you know, Saving Private Ryan. You know, like ugh, the man can do. You're anything. right. You you you've um one of these days I'm gonna watch Saving Private Ryan again. It's. It's so good. It, but, and he gave sort of, I, I think, the idea of the everyman, um, almost like Norman Rockwellish, <clears throat> with like nuance and complication and accessibility, mm-hmm. uh, like to an audience, which I don't know is is a oddly rare quality. I think it. it I mean, that's why he's Tom Hanks. That that. Yep. And yeah, I love that answer. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay. Oh, but wait. No, go on. The best part of the story. He... Oh, yeah. So uh, one day, uh, you know, while, while I was doing Veep, one day I, like, I get this letter... Uh, at my house from Playtone. And I was like, Playtone? Oh, that's the company from I, That Thing You Do. And I was like, the, the movie. And I was like, oh, that's Tom Hanks' company. I, I, like, I, I know that. So I open it up and Tom Hanks had like typed me a letter. And it's like this sweet I love letter that. Framed you have it framed. I have it framed. It was so nice. What does it say? It's, essentially, it's just it said that he was like in his hotel room watching Veep and he's like, I was amazed by you, and I hope I can't wait to see what you do next. Blew my mind. That is so I, I was, cool. Ugh, it's insane. so then. I love that. So then, what happened? Did you so then, reach out? Then, so then I, I got this letter. I'm like, oh my god! And I had the thing framed, and I was just like, kind of like, oh, amazing. And some years passed, <laughs> and then all of the all the, the, the cast, we were at an Emmy's after party, and Tom Hanks came up. And he was like, from a distance, he's like, hey, hey, you know, I wrote you an email. I was like, oh, I, I was like, I had never responded to this letter. <laughs> so like, he just sent me this letter and I had just taken it and like used it as this icon, this like yeah. touchstone. Totally. Uh, and I, I think about this letter every, every day I think about this letter. And I'm like, oh, it'd be simply, she could just like write it back. And now I'll tell you what, I still haven't written it back. Like, like now I'm like, what are the words? And this is a problem I have with text messages. I know. And all the things I'm like, once it's gone it's past a certain point, I'm like, well, it's got to be perfectly worded. I've got to like word this thing perfect because I've, I've dropped the ball. And like the only way is not to get the ball and slam dunk it. But, and that's my own sort of... I know. I'm very, very guilty. I, I totally know what you're talking about. I feel like uh, I need to apologize to everybody in my life. I have to start off <laughs> every conversation with, uh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but then you feel like it's kind of gotten past the point where it's just like, well, I guess that relationship's over because uh, it feels like I'm, that hole I've dug is way too deep and I'm tired. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Okay, my rule with this next question, uh, you cannot mention a Tom Hanks movie. Okay. What is your favorite rainy day movie? A movie that you could that you could watch over and over again. Yeah. There's like a few movies like this. I mean, anytime Goodfellas is on TV, I'll stop whatever I'm doing and I'll like just finish watching it. That's I'll a good Goodfellas. choice. All right. You know, anytime. So I've watched that movie maybe 200 times. You wow, know, all right. That and like Tombstone is like that for me Tombstone's as well. Great. I really enjoyed that. And like a movie that I'll pop in, <laughs> I can't help but be like a nerd and a dork, but like Ninja Turtles, the movie, the first Ninja Turtles movie from like 1990. Is it good? It's so good because like it's Jim Henson's Creature Shop, 
does like did like the costumes and like Corey Feldman's one of the voice actors and like wait so it's not animated no the first the first one was is live action oh my god I gotta check it out and it's like dark and green it's like a real movie you know it's not like a super super kiddie movie you know it was and it's like an independent film they like made, they made it on like a shoestring budget and then like it blew up because of kids like me we're like, this is the most important thing of all time. I got to check that out now. It's it's legitimately good. I love that movie. And it's like funny. We were watching The Dark Crystal uh, oh, a few months ago. A- I know. Oh, it's incredible to watch. Yeah. Oh, man. Just like that whole like sort of like fantasy world. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I, like like Jim, Hen- Jim Henson, like, like that and Labyrinth, you know. Ninja Turtles, like some of those things that were outside of Muppets and outside of Sesame Street. He was like, he did some like really brilliant stuff. I've got a Funko Pop of Jim Henson right over there. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, what is a trait you dislike in others? Trait I dislike in others is uh, someone who doesn't listen. So a person who just won't hear anything and like only wants to feed information but won't accept it. That drives me insane. So you're making this about you now. It's true. It's true. You you heard me. Yeah. <laughs> it made me think we're we're watching um we're weirdly watching The Bachelor, which I missed this last season or whatever, for because there's uh, whatever. I don't need to make excuses for watching crappy reality television, but it's not crappy. It's <laughs> wonderful. It's so diabolical and so well crafted. <laughs> but uh, yeah, one of the girls they they got into an argument, and one of them the, like the quotes are unbelievable. But yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of like, oh, so you're like, this is all about you, right? Okay, so <laughs> like, it's true. It's amazing to see two people not listening to each other, just, just like clonking their heads like against the wall. Yeah. Like self-imposed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if I that's mean, the kind of not listening you're talking it, about. It is. That's in, that's in the umbrella. It's within it. And then oh. the hand clapping. Oh, like, yeah, the, listen every time to I'm me. making a point. You have to listen to me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, what is a trait you dislike in yourself? A trait I dislike in myself is huh. Guess like I guess I dislike that I am a perfect person. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh I think I mean a trait that I dislike in myself is that sometimes I'm not well, I, I, I mean, it's 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 sometimes it's, it, it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But I am too accommodating sometimes, you know. Where like, because I, I I I'm very patient. I have a, I have a lot of patience, but sometimes I let that patience weave itself into a situation that it shouldn't be, you know. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh well, this will pass, and then it doesn't, and like now I'm enabling that behavior. Right, 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 you, right, you know? right, right. But sometimes, you know, I will like nipping in the bud, but then I feel like I'm being rude when I do that sometimes. Right. You know, in retrospect, I feel that. Being very patient is a wonderful quality. It's, it it I, is. I, I think it is, yeah. but it's got, you know, a caveat Sometimes to you it. let people sort of go their own way when you need to rein them in a little bit or you're like, yeah. gotcha, okay. To whom would you most like to apologize and why? Oh, to whom I'd most like to apologize Honestly, I want to apologize to my mom because I don't talk to her as much as I should, you know. And I, I mean, we we talk, but especially right now, like right now. Oh, in fact, I'm gonna I gotta call my mom as, as soon as I'm done with this. But she's in Ghana right now. Oh, <laughs> and she's quarantined. I should be talk, calling her twice a day, you know. I think everybody 
everybody across the world feels a degree, whether, yeah, yes. And yeah. I find when, I I think that my parents won't listen to this. They sometimes stop if I swear a lot initially, like in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. But my my mom, like when I call my parents, I can just put them on speakerphone and do all kinds of things because they just talk and talk and talk. They want, uh-huh. they tell me what the, you know, oh my gosh, you know, Bob and Lauren both couldn't get, like they couldn't get anything from Costco. <laughs> like there's yeah. nothing there. And diapers <laughs> for the new baby, I don't know what they're going to do. And, yeah. and it's like, it's it's just a it's just a mo- and then if I say something it's like what wait well honey what did you say and it's like <laughs> so tell me again about like the canned goods that didn't reach their final destination yeah <laughs> mom <laughs> oh. anyway sorry I didn't mean to make that about me but no I, not at all but I do but, think you're right about the calling my yeah. And the other thing, too, I call my mom, it's always, my mom is so bad at the phone. She's so bad at the telephone. Because like, I'll call, and then be like, what's going on? And she's like, nothing. And I'm like, okay, well, anything that happened? <laughs> mom, mm-hmm, okay. Is that yeah. like a passive-aggressive move, or is that like? No, it's not. And like, so I'm like, well, and after that, like, something happens, I'm like, mom, why didn't you tell me about this? She's like, oh, I didn't want to gossip. I'm like, mom, it's not <laughs> gossip. If you're telling me that like my cousin is sick, that's not gossip. That's information. Yeah. I, I just didn't want to gossip. I'm like, well, no, it's that. I, she, every time I'm like, like, oh, what's going on? Uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't even remember anything. I'm like, well, get a notepad and write it down. Just write things that you think of, and then when we talk, you can go through the notepad and be like, oh, this topic, and then we'll talk about that for five minutes or whatever. But it's always like, no, and she like. At first, she vehemently fought it. Like, no, I don't. I don't want to get some notepad. And then every call, it's like, what's going on? Um, mm-hmm. Or like, it'll be like, oh, like, oh, what, what's the show that's coming? I'm like, oh, I told you about this thing or this movie. Do you not remember? I'll tell you again. She write, just write it down so you can like. Also, it'll just help you kind of like have like 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 a like a brain exercise, you know? Yeah. And you can like look at these things and kind of like check in with them. You know, I'm going to steal if your mom doesn't mind that. Well, I didn't want to gossip. I'm going to apply it to all <laughs> kinds of situations. Uh, like if I'm late to work and, you know, Joe, our, you know, AD is like, hey, you know, your call was nine. I just didn't want to well, gossip. Just you know? didn't want to gossip. I didn't want to gossip. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what, do you, what What could he do to that? What could Joe say yeah, in you're response? Like, I didn't want to yeah, gossip. No. Gossip. He like, oh, can't say that. He, he's not allowed. Uh, you know, uh, well, I didn't, I'm going to apply it to all kinds of things. I love it. I love it. Uh, especially when I forget everything. Yeah. I told you that, Ani. Well, Mom, you know what? I didn't want to gossip. Just didn't want to gossip. Just didn't want to gossip. Um, what is the greatest love of your life? The greatest love of my life. It can be human or inanimate, anything you want. We yeah. Don't, we don't have to necessarily rank it. The great yeah. love of your life. Great love of my life. Well, for my, I mean, like, I, I feel like the automatic answer, my, my girlfriend, you know, I, but, uh, but like, I don't want to also just automatically say that, you know, but I also don't want to not say that. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that's sad. That it really is the answer. All right. All right. All right. Um, if you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be? 
Uh, I want to live in Japan for a year. Oh, cool. What do, what draws you to Japan? I'm a big fan of anime <laughs> and like Japanese culture in general. You know, as a kid, like, I was obsessed. And I want to go, uh, well, how, how about this? I want to I at least visit Japan. <laughs> and I feel like in order like, to visit all the things, I would want a year yeah. to like go to like villages and like like really learn a city and all that. And I think that Japan, I've been there twice which makes it sound more worldly. Both times were work-related. Yeah. But I should have, A, done some research. Uh-huh. Wanting to understand some of those things, some of the cultural yeah. differences, I think would would have enhanced my experience a lot, which I think, uh-huh. I don't know. So I, I'm supportive of your year there. <laughs> okay. Have you had any near-death experiences? Yes, I have. Oh. I was in high school. I was driving, my friend Jan Janacek is his name, but at that time we called him Jan Janacek. <laughs> but we were driving to a poster making party where it was like class elections. So you make posters to go up in the auditorium of the gym. Yeah. But I was driving, it was like down this road. And I remember I told Jan, I was like, hey, uh, you don't have your seatbelt on, put your seatbelt on. And then it's just like, oh, we just put our seatbelts on. And we're going through, and we see a yellow light. I go through this yellow light, and F-150 truck turns, just tries to beat the light in front of us. Oh, God. And fucking just smashes our car. And I remember, like, Wait, going Wait, so rear-ended? Wait, I'm having trouble visualizing this, uh, even though I don't want to. So, so like, I, I was going straight through this light. He turns, and so, like, he hits us kind of, like, at, like, a... Like a forty-five degree oh, angle man. in the front, oh, and uh, I remember that's like, is that your seat? Is it like driver's seat? And so it hits like my like driver's oh. seat, you know. And I remember like jolting forward, like oh no! And I remember like it, it was like all slow motion, like I'm about to die. I'm this is it. Oh no! And like it's a bright light of everything because of the headlights of the car. So I'm like, seeing a bright light and they like feeling myself move forward, like oh I'm dying. And then this the yank of the seatbelt pulling me out. I remember it so Whoa. vividly. It was like instant also being like, oh, well, uh, uh, seatbelts. Let's put our seatbelts on. It was crazy. I, I, and, and oh, and then the other, other part of this, it was a F-150 full of like some other teens, you know. And they got out and they were like, oh, you did this. I was like, no, no, I was going through a yellow light. And like, I was like my argument to the guy. And I was like fr- so frustrated and frazzled. Uh. But then like he's arguing. And then like all of a sudden his... The police came, but all of a sudden the guy's dad was there and giving a uh, like uh, a firsthand account as if he was there. Oh, weird! And I was like, "Whoa, what? He wasn't. He wasn't part of this. How was he?" And he was like acting like he was there. And so I, I remember so well because I like I tell you, I, like I am a for the most part afraid of the police, <laughs> but the officer, I'll never forget this. He was like he like listened to both of our stories and then went to the car. And then opened up the front, like the headlight, and then pulled out the bulb and showed us. It was like, like, like look at this bulb, okay? Your, your argument was that his lights weren't on. He said, they said that my lights, my headlights weren't on. He said, look at this bulb. Now, you see how this bulb is bent? That only happens if it's hot. If it was cold, it would have shattered. But this bent because it was hot and then the thing. So you're lying. They, 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 he had Damn. his lights on. And I mean, I was what? like, oh, my God, detective. 
It was incredible. That is rad. I mean, it's awful that you were in a horrible accident, yes, and I'm glad but... you were okay. <laughs> that was a good story because you can feel the intensity of the <laughs> uh, the the complicated emotions that are. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. That's crazy. Okay, oh. two more questions. Yeah. Who would you invite to your dream dinner party? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, Jackie Chan, uh, Tom Hanks, uh, Alanis Morissette. Nice. All right. I feel like I'm forgetting another person who I would like. I would be like, oh, this would be Barack Obama. Oh, Barack Obama. <laughs> okay. Uh, in one word, how would you like to be remembered? Kindly. Kindly. I like that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Okay, so we're calling Sarah. Okay. Hi. Hey, Sarah. It's Anna. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. Hey, thanks so much for doing this. I'm here with Sam Richardson, who's awesome. Hi. Hi. It's nice to meet you guys. <laughs> nice to meet you as well. Are you doing okay in all these crazy times, Sarah? Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, I've just been going through this emotional roller coaster for almost about a year now. Oh, uh, well, tell us what's going on. Okay, so at the time when I met this guy, I just got out of this long-term relationship. And we both agreed that we weren't going to look for anything serious. And we didn't want any of that commitment. And we just wanted to have fun getting to know one another. So we went on a few dates. And the chemistry, the connection was there. The conversation flowed so easily. Like, I never had that before. So we hooked up and everything. And after a few weeks, it was his birthday. So I got him a birthday gift. I wanted to take him out to a nice ramen date. So we went on this date. We spent the whole afternoon together. And he brought up to my attention that something was bothering him and he was hurting. So he found out from an outside source that I just broke up with my boyfriend. And he told me how I broke his trust, how how can he trust me now or in the future? And I just sat there letting him vent to me all the feelings and the emotions and everything that I did wrong. And at the end of it, he just said, oh, you know, I'm seeing other people, right? As if I wasn't aware of the fact that I know he's a good looking guy. He's bound to find other people, but it didn't matter to me that he was seeing other people, but he, because we had that agreement that we didn't want anything serious. So at the end of it, I, he said, we can still be friends. I said, okay. I gave him his birthday gift. He said, oh, it's such a thoughtful gift. Thank you so much. It means so much to me. He gave me this long, awkward hug. And so I just left it at that. And he said, we should hang out again. 
So summer vacation came, never heard from him. He ghosted me. And I thought that was the end of it. So fall semester starts and I see him in my class. And you know when you get that feeling when someone's staring at you and you could feel it and you look up and they look away real quick? Yeah. So that's what was been going on. (laughs) And um, I asked my best friend, like, is he looking? She's like, yeah, he's looking a lot. Like this has started to become every class thing where he would just stare at me. And she's like, you should go talk to him because something must be going on in his mind for him to be staring at you this much. So I did. And we picked up the conversation like as if the whole time he blew up on me just never happened. Like we picked off where we left off. And so the next week I asked him out to go get drinks and, and everything went great. And I confessed like, you know, I care about you a lot. And he said, you know, I care about you. And one thing led to another. And at that point I knew I had to accept like this is just friends with benefits. So even if we never discussed it one-on-one. So at the end of it, I left an open invitation at the end of the semester. I said, you know, one night we should like have a movie night and we'll cook dinner together. Like it'll be so much fun. And he said, yeah, that will be so much fun. I'll let you know. Winter break came, nothing. Ghosted me again. So this spring semester started and I told myself going in, if I see him, don't give him the attention he craves and just pretend he doesn't exist. So I go into my class, he's there. And he waves to me, says hi, and goes in for a hug. And I completely dodge him. I just pretended he didn't exist. I went on with my day. And um, I was in the back room getting something. And I come out, and he's sitting in my chair. And I walk up to him. I said, what are you doing sitting in my chair? And he's like, hey, I want to talk to you. I have something I want to give you, like I've been wanting to give you for a long time. So I said, okay. So he gives me these wooden panels that he made with his art and he said like I specifically chose these because they have so much meaning to me and I was like oh my gosh in my head I was like why are you telling me these have so much meaning and you're giving them to me so at the end like before we went into quarantine um, he said like I'm going to miss seeing you and I told him the same thing I was going to miss seeing him and I said well don't be a stranger and he said I won't and until this day I haven't received anything so I'm just I don't know whether I should reach out and put myself out there again just to get hurt all over again. Sarah, I don't like this guy very much. I'm sorry to be so direct about this. No, no, please be direct. I really don't like a a lot of things. I mean, like sitting Mm -hmm. in your chair even feels like a red flag. The aggressive staring at you and then sort of pretending to not be. It feels like very threatening territorial behavior hugging you for too long giving you something he claims is of meaning to you then not talking to you Mm -hmm. like blaming you for break for having been in a relationship seems unbelievably bizarre yeah I think it's more than manipulation to me it seems like that that there's some issues that like he's he's craving a lot of uncertainty in his life he's craving like disruption and uh if he's craving that and needs that and then i think sarah i don't know i would i would stay very far away from him which will probably draw him in more so you may have to deal with that i wouldn't expect that or do it for that intention 
Yeah. I think it'd be one thing if he reaches out to you, then I think you can sort of digest that and, and plan accordingly. I certainly don't think that you should reach out to him. It seems like he really gets off on having these unbalanced relationships where he just has, yeah. you know, people in his life that are waiting around for him to reach out. And that just feels cruel. Yeah. I was telling Sam that I'm finally watching this season of The Bachelor, which ever, and I don't even. I, I don't know what exactly what happens, but we're like on episode 10 or something. And while he Peter seems like a nice fella, I suppose, it is crazy how like the littlest thing that he doles out, you know, is like, yeah. you know, is gobbled up with so much gratitude because it, that's the setup of, the, of that show. But it feels like this guy probably does something similar to a lot of people in his life, you know, like just dangles a little yeah. carrot and um, because, you know, maybe he's a good looking guy and he gets a lot of girl or whatever it is, Sarah, I think I don't like how he's treating you. I don't like that. I don't like it that he makes you feel bad, you know? Like it's been very toxic and like I've been like the whole winter, like break, I was just having a meltdown. I was like, why am I even crying over this guy? <laughs> That clearly doesn't care. But a part of me, like, gives him the benefit of the doubt, of course. I know, because I, I used to really be drawn to guys like that, that I was drawn, I guess, to, to guys in relationships that I think that I I wanted, I had more emotional investment than the guys did, mm -hmm. or, or, or I was drawn to some the idea of somebody not liking me as much as I liked them. Yeah. And it doesn't. It just doesn't feel. Good. I think I learned a lot, but it, but it doesn't feel. It doesn't feel good. And and I think it's not. It's not protective of yourself. You know. Yeah, you're right. Like it is a learning experience, and I'm still growing as a person. And he's just probably one of those guys that I'm gonna have a life lesson of, and know it's good. And I understand what you're saying, and it's probably a time to let go, honestly. And right now wouldn't like would be the best time because there's no interaction with either one of us. So. Yeah, I think so. I wouldn't reach out to him. And if he does reach out to you, I would definitely give it a beat before you respond. Yeah. I mean, I would love to tell you to not respond at all. <laughs> Just to sort of think about what you might want to share with him and, and also to not be um, super eager for, for the reach out to convey, but then it sort of puts you in a position of, of playing games with him. And, and I, I don't, I wouldn't, that wouldn't be my first course of action for you if I had my choice, but, mm -hmm. but just in case I would wait a minute, Sarah, I think a lot of us know these kinds of people, Sam, I'm sorry. I've just been on a roll. Oh, no. Will you, will you, no, will, no. you will you give your thoughts, no. Sam? Well, I would say even if you are giving him the absolute benefit of the doubt, like he doesn't know that yeah. he's like behaving this way, he's still behaving this way. And out of this relationship, you aren't getting what you need and what you want. And since it's happened multiple times, you've been through this before, to expect him to change, you're setting yourself up for more disappointment and more hurt. Of course, yeah. There's a phrase that, you know, we teach people how to treat us, you know? So if you accept this behavior from him and then you keep on going back, he's going to assume that it that works. Okay to do. And it's yeah. okay to do that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and a lot of these behaviors also seem just very toxic and, and negative. So I think this is a wash to begin with. But even just for yourself, like even if he's not meaning to do any of these things wrong, for yourself and your own uh, 
mental health, if this is a thing that is is bringing you more discomfort and 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 sadness than it is like these moments of 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 pleasure and and joy, you know. And with all of us, we yeah. have to like kind of weigh those things out. Uh, and and of like course, especially yeah. if you're in like a moment that's non-committal right now, and that that you you guys don't have a relationship, it seems it, that won't get better, you, you know. Yeah, no, Sam, I, th- I think I think you're right. I remember like I dated a guy in high school, and and I would I would give him a lot of things because it felt like he was out of my league, and I was shocked that we were dating. But in in the rare, like it felt like the few times that he would do something sort of considerate, I would just be over the moon. <laughs> yeah. When now I look back and I'm like, God, what a dick! <laughs> like, what? Like, I feel sad for myself and my low self esteem. Like, but I, but I, but it's also growing up, and that's that's really important. But recognizing that later, as as you know very emotionally manipulative. I also, Sarah, I know mm-hmm. you mentioned the idea of friends with benefits and I I have complicated, well, I just know that I can't, that's not something I could personally do. Mm-hmm. My relationship with sex is very tied up into feelings of intimacy and safety. And so yeah. I just personally need need that connection before I really get freaky. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I think that that's a question that you should ask yourself, though, too. Because I know that there's a lot of pressure to be a cool girl, to be, like, you know, down with anything or whatever. and Yeah, and just, like, have no feelings attached to that. And, yeah, yeah it's, it's a lot. Like I said, like, I for people that are able to be happy, fulfilled people and and can have a life – a, a sexual life sort of that is very fulfilling to them when a variety of whatever that's it's just not me to to be intimate with somebody that I don't feel incredibly close to I think because it taps into a, a lot of vulnerability for me mm-hmm. I think sort of outside of this guy maybe think about sort of those like think about sort of what 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 brings you a lot of joy what makes you feel really good and focusing yeah. on those things but i don't like this guy sarah i'm sorry yeah i think i second that no no like i love your guys honesty and honestly it's like it's helping me gonna get through this so and it's gonna be a good closure for me and and i know what i'm worth and someone out there is out there for me yeah even though you didn't you you didn't really disparage him at all but i feel very mad at him <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Like I want him believe the- me, I had my moment. <laughs> I I don't want him hurting you. I don't want him staring at you in the aggressive way. Like I don't I I yeah. think that is fucking creepy, isn't it? Like I I think it's why? very creepy. It really was. Yeah, like yeah. what the fuck do you and then taking your seat? That feels oddly territorial too. And and getting mad at you for having been in a, I don't know, Sarah. This guy like yeah. he fucking sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, this it's a it's a red flag parade there. He so reminds me though, Sarah, of my first boyfriend in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Oh God. <laughs> oh, just feeling like bringing back memories, oh God. <laughs> totally. It's that feeling of being played. 
of being so played and you don't yeah. even know the rules of the game. You don't know if it's your move. You don't, you have no idea what's going on and you're just like thrown in it emotionally and someone else is like jerking you around. Mm-hmm. And Sarah too is like sometimes it's hard to break the pattern of getting into those relationships if you're used to them a lot. Mm-hmm. I felt like for a while I looked for the same kind of person because I didn't value, like I didn't understand how I wanted to be treated yet. So yeah, like it's, it's crazy because I've only ever been in two serious relationships and he's the good, like the third guy I ever went out with. So it was all new territory to me because I just got out of the long-term relationship and I just didn't know how to like this whole talking into dating thing went. So Yeah. And you know, too, Sarah, if you're at all like me, like the sexuality part really confuses things for me. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling dismissed a few times that felt horrible you know that 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 was that was a specifically bad feeling of like anger at myself which that's 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 even more painful I think than being angry at somebody else but oh man I found some old diaries that are just filled with heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak oh god those were the days but Sarah did we did we help you at all? I hope that... Yes. Okay. Both of you guys did. Did amazing. And I really needed this clarity because I've been going crazy of like, well, he's not texting me. And at this point, I just... I'm not a priority to him. I'm just an option. And only at his convenience. And I don't want to do that anymore. Fuck yeah. yeah. I love it. Sarah, I exactly. love it. Exactly. And that's your answer right there. You know? So don't provide yeah. it anymore. Perfect. Yeah. Ah, I love that. Hey, Sarah, thank you so much. No, thank you guys so much. I love you. Take care. Stay powerful. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, Sarah. Uh, yeah, well, you gave great advice, Sam. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, that, was, just... that was really great. I think, um, I think that guy's a dick. That's what I think. <laughs> What are you going to do for the rest of the afternoon? Uh, Animal Crossing. Is it fun? It's so much fun. Really? It's so much fun. It's just, and it came out the perfect time because I'm just like at home and I'm just like taking care of this little island and planting trees and getting the fruit. Are you really? Are you gardening? And getting chopping wood. Oh, this is in the game. Oh. (laughs) This is in the game. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you win anything? Uh, no, your, your island kind of grows and people move to your island or so animals the, move to your island. It's the perfect game for right now because you are learning how to be self-sufficient in the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's good. Every it's day I go in- chop wood and I, <laughs> yeah. I craft furniture with it. Yeah. It's a real good use of my time. Sam, look, pl- thank you again. I true, truly appreciate it. I would love to be in touch with you. I'll drone something yes, over. Please. I'll drone the Stanley if you give me some peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Sam. <laughs> <laughs>